All right, back at it. Martin Marlowe, episode eight. Kilcoin Conversation had a week off, vacation time. Coming to you, by the way, this is a second stop. The Greg Warren uh, interview happened in the gazebo in the distance there. Coming to you live to tape to Pear Park on the edges of the pickleball court. And our guy, who's our guy? He loves pickleball. He's like the mayor of pickleball. We mention it. He'll retweet this. But DePere Park is now bumping with pickleball action. It's a full court. And I, I'm not going to say I don't understand pickleball because then he'll send me all of the guidelines and directions. But I don't really understand pickleball. Pickleball is super fun. We used to play it all the time in gym class. When when the weather was bad at Whitmer High School and you couldn't go outside for gym, we would play pickleball inside. It's fun. It's like tennis and ping pong. You don't have to move as much. It's great, as you can tell, some older folks over there. <laughs> Social distancing and then I was in Seattle years ago, we talked about this on the radio, played pickleball in the park, and then realized that pickleball was created, I believe, on this island outside of Seattle, Washington. So the state of Washington is big on pickleball. All right, we got sports to get to, but that can wait. We got a lot to get to. This is a big lot to get to episode here. Let's start with travel talk, though. I was out of town, you were out of town, everyone's sort of the same idea. It'd be kind of stupid if you go on vacation once the games begin. I mean, you got baseball and hockey coming back here, basketball shortly. Uh, You and the missus, the family were Nashville, Nash Vegas? Nash Vegas, quick little Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I got to meet my my new nephew, Jack, who's about three months old because he was born right in the middle of coronavirus. My wife had, had gone there to visit him a couple months back, but they weren't allowed to hold him because it was just so new with, with COVID, but now things are good. We went there. I got to meet him for the first time, and everybody got to hold him, and my daughter, Janie May got to meet her cousin, Jack. So it was very nice, fun trip, quick little drive to Nashville, you know, about five hours with the child. Could be four and a half hours without a child, but uh, nice weekend away, and now I'm back. Did you guys go out at all? Did you go to restaurants? I mean, Nashville, typically, you're going to get out, although it's a family trip, maybe not going to crush it like the old days, but did you guys go to restaurants? And I'm wondering this because we were in Michigan, and everywhere we went, we wore the mask. And then you sit down, you take them off, but then you see a lot of people not not wearing them, and you're thinking, so do you know that you don't have the Rona, or do you just not give a shit? Yeah, we did not go out to eat. We just basically got cooked for, which was fantastic. Uh, we were at a hotel where it was mandatory masks, although they didn't enforce that, and the staff members weren't wearing masks, which I thought was funny. I don't really care. I don't want to say I don't care, but it, it didn't bother me because I wasn't that close to these people. I just found it funny that I walked in and said, you have to wear a mask, and then some of the staff members weren't, but that's the way it is. I always feel like a dick if I don't have the mask on. Like, I always say you should wear a mask, but let's be honest, sometimes we forget. I'll leave it in the car, and if I roll into a business and I see the sign, I feel like an a-hole, which is kind of funny because I think a lot of people purposely try to be a-holes when they're forced to to be wearing masks, but that's a different topic of conversation. There is, and I'm not a mask shamer. I'm not a mask expert. There's a lot of people online now are experts about everything on droplets, and but I do kind of freak out. All right, this this will shock you on the drive home, long drive. Love Michigan. Beautiful. Cheated on Wisconsin by being in Michigan. Pure Michigan. How about the fact that Tim Allen does those commercials? I didn't know that for many years until I got an argument. My wife thought that it was. I think it, she thought it was Liam Neeson or Morgan Freeman or something. I go, no, it's not. And I just think it's Liam Neeson, guy. come to Michigan or I'll kick your ass. I can't remember who she thought it was. And I'm like, no, it's just a random guy. We looked it up. It's Tim the Toolman Taylor. 
that does the pure Michigan commercials. And the Lake Michigan side, beautiful. We went up north, so there's a place called Shanty Creek. Now, it's more of a ski resort, but they've got golf courses owned by a CBC alum, a SLU alum, Tony Novelli, hugely successful businessman, low-profile guy. What's he doing, and is he hiring? Um, he owns Apex Oil, ah, yeah. Apex Travel, and very low-key. You don't read or hear much about him. Very successful. Uh, he's the one who donated the land to CBC, where that school is now. Oh, wow. he, he used to live on that property, donated the land. That's when they moved the school west. Um, real tight with Father Biondi. He's donated a lot of money, but he owns this resort in northern Michigan. And I said, let's check this out, because I've never really... We did Mackinac years ago. So we stayed a few days at the Shanty Creek. It's really cool because they have three properties. So there's three resorts on the land. And there's the Summit Village. You can just picture it in the wintertime. Uh, whoa, what the hell was the other one? The Summit Village, Cedar River, and then the other one. And it was, if you look at the pictures online, it's just scenic in the snow. And we had a great time. And you could go from there to Charlevoix. You ever been there? I've never been to Charlevoix. I've been all over Michigan. We'd always go to Traverse City because my aunt and uncle lived there. And then, We drove through there. It oh, actually yeah. looks pretty hip, the downtown. Oh. Traverse City is super fun in the summer, right there on the lake, on the bay, obviously. And then in the winter, all your winter sports, your skiing, your snowmobiling, it is a cool place to live. It's very, very touristy. Yeah, I love the whole area. I will say, I think Wisconsin people, though, and it's not a bias I have, I think they're a little friendlier. Like, everywhere you go, Wisconsin people just have that. And it sounds like Fargo, but, oh, how you doing? Come on in here. Oh, how's the trip? I didn't get that in Michigan. Maybe it's me. Well... I do love the state of Michigan, even though growing up in Ohio, you're supposed to hate Michigan. We do hate the University of Michigan football team. But my backyard, basically, the end of my street was the state of Michigan. So I was always in Michigan growing up, lived there three different times. I will say that I don't think there are are any negative stigmas about Michigan, but I do agree with you that I, I think Wisconsin people are jollier. When you think of Wisconsin, what do you think of? You think of beer, brats, cheese curds, just drinking football, Packers, Wisconsin, it's just fun. Whereas when I when I think of Michigan, I just don't have that same positive kind of mindset, even though there's nothing wrong with Michigan, but I do think Wisconsin just has that really friendly vibe. And there were a couple of moments that stood out, but the main one would be, so we rented a boat, we had all the kids, I had a couple of, I had a niece, and nephew, we had a whole crew, so we rented a pontoon boat, go out on Lake Charlevoix, and for people who've been to Lake Geneva or Door County, I would say Charlevoix, the little town, reminds you of those particular spots so we've got this pontoon boat and they told us oh you can go and you can dock it and you can get out in the town and go shopping and have lunch oh perfect i start pulling in and i see there's a little gas station where all these boats are gassing up and i says this where we can do a public dock and he said yeah right over there but it's a pretty narrow spot there's a couple of jet skis parked and all of a sudden i'm like i'm trying to park in a pontoon boat it's like driving a house and i can't quite get it to turn and it's and now I'm having, I honestly was having like a panic attack. Oh, yeah. Because there's a boat behind me that's parked. There's a, it's a really narrow spot. And as I'm in the middle of it, I honestly was about to crap my pants, and I almost had Kim just take over. And meanwhile, I look up, and there's like three guys on some big ship, beautiful yacht, boat, whatever, and they're just staring at me. Oh, yeah. And, and they're thinking, hey, this a-hole is going to hit my boat. This, he's going to run into those jet skis, which I was about to, but 20 different times. It probably lasted, the episode, like five minutes. Felt, felt like an hour. hour. But I kept thinking, if this were Wisconsin, I'm telling you, some old guy would be like, hey, throw it in reverse there. Now, now, cut her a little to your right. 
these guys just stared at me, waiting for me to fail. And all of a sudden, my niece Emma is on the dock with like the rope. And I, I get to about three feet of the dock. I said, hop in, hop in. We're getting the fuck out of here. I, it's the most nervous I've been probably in the last 10 years of my life. And I just kept waiting for somebody to act like they cared. And I didn't get that. So I love Michigan, but I got to say, pro Wisconsin. There's nothing worse, though, that when you're doing that, whether you're parallel parking, I have this enormous truck now, which I love driving, but I hate parking. We had that exact situation, which it's another lesson to me to always back in so I can just pull out straight. Because as I was pulling out of this parking lot, it was very narrow, and I'm about ready to hit the car behind me and in front of me. I'm doing that Austin Powers thing where I'm doing like a 47-point turn, and what happens? Of course, three, four cars try to get by me, and that just increases the pressure. Your wife's yelling at you. Again, it's only two minutes, but it feels like the pressure of, of your life, and it feels like an hour. And I finally got out of there. But, you know, every car's just looking at you like this dope with this right. truck. He doesn't even know how to park it. I blame myself. I should. I try to do something I wasn't capable of, but I just I was looking for a little moral support. All right, so from the shanty, which, by the way, I think we'd go back in the winter because it just looks awesome. Like you could ski right to your condo, ski right to the hotel. You're right there on the property. So shout out to the shanty. It's Bel Air, Michigan, really small town, but everything up there is small. I think Dan Deardorff lives there like half the year. I'm not sure which town. I didn't look him up, probably because he didn't want to see me, mm-hmm. mainly. Uh, but then we went to Mackinac, which is, you've been, I'm sure, right? As I've said, we, we talked about this last week. I know we can't the mention. The last week's episode was <laughs> was aborted. It I didn't, didn't work. We had some issues. I didn't know if this was actually episode eight or if it's, it's take two on eight. But is. either way, I've driven the Mackinac Bridge tons of times because I lived up in the Upper Peninsula. But I've never actually been to Mackinac Island. But my mom loves it she goes there all the time sometimes by herself it's very cool you know the horse-drawn carriages people have heard all about that it was really crowded and by the saturday we left i started thinking maybe it's too crowded like we're all sort of paranoid now and people were wearing masks largely up and down the street while they're doing their shopping and a buddy of mine sends me a text hey go eat some fudge which sounds like an old school insult doesn't it hey pal you should go eat some fudge but that is truly what people do on the island, ride the horses, ride the bikes. It's eight miles around. It's a perfect loop, and the big, beautiful hotel is the Grand Hotel. It looks if the Titanic were a hotel, that's what it looks like. Now we didn't stay there. I think it's like five hundred a night, something crazy. But we had dinner up there one night, and you take the horse-drawn carriage to get there. And there's a wedding going on, and it honestly, it just looks like a Kennedy, and everybody's got like the seersucker suits and right out of a movie script. So love Mackinac Island. Just a long drive back. Okay, so I feel like I've heard this. Are there cars on the island or is it all bikes? All bikes okay. and horse-drawn carriages. Yeah. And then I read a story. The guy who came up with that rule in the 40s, he said, I wasn't doing it to preserve history. I did it because we just didn't have any room. Yeah. It was like a practical matter. Now, I did notice at the hospital there's an ambulance, which is probably a good idea. We'll let it slide. And I think in the we were there like 10 years ago. And I saw, I got up at like 5 or 6 a.m. to go to the bathroom. I looked out, and I saw like a little delivery truck. So I think every once in a while, there's some car activity. But for the most part, none. And the mayor, talk about term limits. So we stayed at the Windermere Hotel, which is like on Main Street. My mom wanted us to stay there because she went there on her honeymoon in the 60s. Now, she has fond memories, even though the the marriage didn't last. So we stayed at the Windermere, and I, I read something online. The woman who owns it is the mayor. So we get back at like 11 o'clock when I'm talking to the lady at the counter. She's the mayor. And I said, we had you on the radio. Iggy booked her one year. And I don't know why, but we were talking about cherries and cherry festivals. 
So he books the mayor of Mackinac Island, and she's been the mayor since 1975. Wow. No term limits. So I told her, I said, hey, wait, and she, she just kind of goes, oh, that sounds about right. And I remember the interview kind of tanking because we talked cherries, and she's like, well, you're really thinking down by Traverse, not up. I was going to say, Traverse it's, City's the cherry spot. And Well, it's, it's Iggy's fucking fault. Cause <laughs> always. He's always like, Iggy's he's like hey, buddy, just, just roll with it. Just, just have her roll with it. It's fine. Anyway, back from vacation, ready to roll. Martin and Marlo, episode eight. We stumbled on sevens. Eights are a little easier. Famous eight. Give me one. Because we kind of already did this, <laughs> and I think I can remember Cal Ripken for sure. Dang, is that the only one I can remember? Cal Ripken. I feel like I looked this up. Lakers, famous. Oh, yeah, duh. So Kobe was eight and 24. Hockey, Russian. <laughs> he's just Cup. he's just eight? Ovechkin? Ovechkin, yeah. I thought he was 88. Okay. See, I don't, I don't know these. That's fine. It's it's a collection of eight. Yogi Berra, St. Louis Zones, we don't get any nasty emails. Uh, episode eight, baseball back this week. How about a pick to click for the 60-game season? Like, kind of out of nowhere. I know Carpenter's had some good swings in these inter-squad games. I'm going to go with the KK, the import. Okay. Kind of like Michaelis a couple years ago. Nobody knew a lot about these guys. They scouted them well. Shout out to Matt Slater, Marquette's finest, part of the team with Coach Mozeliak. But I'm going to just say that he's really good. And part of it is the unknown. Nobody knows him. He's lefty. He's my pick to click for 2020. I'll stick with a pitcher. And maybe this is also because we have our fantasy draft tonight. I am the defending champ. And I'm looking forward to this because 60-game season, nobody's done this before. It's going to be a, a straight sprint, maybe even no playoffs for fantasy. You just go all the way through and whoever has the most points. But I'm looking at what I would call vulture wins. And I think a vulture win guy, I know he had a little something I, I read, but Daniel Ponce de Leon, I could see him, with, with a lot of these guys, probably pitch counts not exactly where they want to be. How many times are guys only going to go four, five, maybe even six, but they leave, it's a tie game, they're, they're down one, whatever it is. Daniel Ponce de Leon comes in, maybe he pitches an inning and a third, maybe he pitches two and two and a third, and, and somehow in a 60-game season, I could see Daniel Ponce de Leon racking up like six wins, which is a lot for a 60-game season. It, it does have a weird feel, there's no doubt about it. I'm excited, I think it's going to be unique, we know that, that's like stating the obvious. But I also don't really care. Like, if a team's bad or if a player's bad, it doesn't even I'm, – I'm really excited to have it, and I can't wait to watch. But if somebody's terrible or the team's bad, Cardinals have a bad year, I don't – it almost feels like – I know it counts, and Mosaic, like I said, it counts. It does. It'd be great to win a World Series. And maybe by then you can have, you know, 5,000 fans in the stands, which would be kind of cool. But I don't know if I really care. Like, if somebody's bad, or, it, it's almost like it's not real. Does, does that make any sense? No, it makes total sense because how many times have you seen a guy who struggles, not just the first 60 games of the season, take some of these guys that either have slow starts or fast starts. You can have a guy who's bad for 100 games, but then he turns it on the last 60, ends up having a good year. I mean, we can see somebody hit 400 because it's not as difficult, obviously, to just stay super hot for what is a, basically a two-month stretch. Or we can see guys who normally hit 300 with a ton of homers and they just start out slow and they never recover because they don't have enough games to recover. I agree with you. I can't wait for it. I'm super excited. And I will say this from a media standpoint. I was reading an article about about hockey injuries. Can we stop? Who cares? Like we all know some of these guys might have COVID. They might not. Just stop. Who cares? Like 
Maybe they're hurt. Maybe their arms hurt. Maybe they have COVID. In hockey, maybe they have an upper body. Maybe it's a concussion. Maybe they have COVID. Do we care this year? I understand it in it affects gambling a lot, but like we don't need to know. We don't need to know this year. They might have COVID. They probably do. Just like let it go. <laughs> I right? love, and I like what Barubi is asked about. He's like, take it up with the league. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of answers itself when you say take it up with the league. The question would be the Rona. Is it an upper body or a lower body? Well, a little bit of both. I think. I mean, the fact that it affects the lungs so much, upper I think you got to go okay. upper body. Upper body. Now people are trying to get to the bottom of it and. I think it happened early on with the Cardinals when Reyes wasn't announced as COVID. And, and Mozeliak and Shield, they'd be like, what's going on? Or any update. And they'd say, um, not here. And it's kind of like you can draw your own conclusions. You can't report it. But simply report, still not in camp. And everyone at home will figure it out. That's my whole point. I get it. In a normal season, it's important to know injuries because you want to know how long that person might be out. Again, it, it affects gambling a lot. But this year... Who cares? Like, you know what's going on. We're in a freaking pandemic, so just stop asking the question. Okay, ask the question one time, and if the coach or the the executive gives that answer, you know you can't get into it, and just move on. Does it really Does it really impact you that much if you know this person has COVID? They probably do. It's their own personal right not to tell you, so just shut up and move on and cover the game. Shut up and move on. New segment here, shut up and move on. The Reds were going to be the story, I think, in 2020 in the NL Central. Are they still the story? Do you think they're still the? T- are they still the team to beat? I don't know if a sixty-game season changes a whole lot. Although more random things can happen, maybe the Pirates are good for two weeks or something. But do, are you still intrigued with the Reds? I am, and I hate to bring it back always to gambling, but this past winter I had about forty bucks left in an online account. I wanted to switch over. Anybody that does online gambling, you got to bounce back and forth different accounts to take advantage of the good rollover bonuses. I had forty bucks left. The odds came out for World Series. I looked at it. I said, what's what's a what's a, a high-value play? And the Reds were 50-1. to 1. So I said, boom, let's just put it all there. So if the Reds were to win the World Series, Charlie wins about $2,000. I would love that. Sorry, Cardinals fans. But I do think they're very intriguing, especially if they get to the postseason. I don't think Trevor Bauer can be as bad as he was with the Reds last year. I think he's closer to the Indians' Trevor Bauer. If you go in a short series with Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo is one of the best pitchers in baseball that nobody talks about, and Sonny Gray has basically just come back to the Sonny Gray of his early career with the A's. The Reds, I mean, they, they got a bullpen. You have Mike Lorenzen. You have Amir Garrett. You have the uh, closer, Rysel Iglesias. If they hit, I think the Reds are very, very intriguing. And if Jess uh, Marlowe listens to this episode, did you hear that, honey? If the Reds win the World Series, Charlie wins $400. Charlie wins 40 bucks. 40 bucks gets his money back. I'll split it with you, Jess. You'll get it 20 You get half of the 40 Did I say 2000 No, no. I meant that's after taxes and fees. It'll probably be more like 800 Correct. If the IRS is also listening, right. I didn't mean $2,000. Uh, it was kind of a, it was a fun bet for, for a couple bucks. Uh, Martin and Marlowe, Episode 8, brought to you by the fine folks at Triad Bank. Get online, triadbanking.com. Started in St. Louis in 2005. That means the decision makers are right here in town. And I know personally Jim Regna was there late at night on a Sunday night. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm at the bank helping people in the early days of the COVID shutdown, trying to keep these small businesses afloat. It's that personal service you can count on. They're located on Clayton Road, just west of Lindbergh, right by the intersection of Highway 40 in Lindbergh, Triad Banking. Com. Also, Marie Davila, Senior Living, the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road since 1960. Red Shandy's not only lived there, part of the ownership group, providing 
perfect senior living, just a festive environment. You think about all the negativity during the last few months. Fred and Mary Kay Weezahan always throwing a party. Fourth of July, we had the woman, I believe she turned 107. They brought a band in, had her family there. They're always keeping it light. Got the fountains turning red. during. We'll have a red October, Chuck, and we'll get those fountains red again. Marie de Villa Senior Living, get online and take a virtual tour. And uh, for me, because we're technically, I think, still in the Kirkwood School District, we got a shout-out, Kirkwood Pizzeria, a corner butcher in Fenton, one of my favorite spots to go get uh, meat load up for the weekend coming up, get all your grilling uh, needs taken care of. St. Louis Lawn Care, St. Louis Equipment, our guy Tim Jankerson, I will eventually one day ask him if he's uh, related to the chief. Uh, that'll happen one of these days, but if you need your lawn care, St. Louis Lawn Care, if you need a big lawn mower, St. Louis Equipment, and then a uh, special shout-out to Kennelwood because we just picked up our dog Otis from Kennelwood on Sunday after the uh, trip to Nashville. They always take care of him. They get the bath at the end, so he's smelling good. He's feeling good. You know, he's, he's running around at day camp, so when you get him, he's kind of tuckered out and ready to just chill and be a nice house pet. All right, and time for a list. And keep in mind, when somebody has a list, it's their own. And I, so I brought this up uh, in the episode that this would be off, off the... Uh, the bootleg album, episode eight that never aired. Technical difficulties. It's Chuck's fault. But it was my fault. I had listened to Tom Petty Radio over the 4th of July weekend, and they did a countdown of top 100 songs. And then you'd hear Straight Into Darkness, or one of these really good Tom Petty songs. You got lucky. And it'd be like number 27 or 28, and I'm like, it's unbelievable how deep the catalog is. So I said, we should do our own top five Tom Petty songs. And then I see David Nail, who's a Mizzou guy, who's a country artist, and I think did a LaRusa event when you're at ARF, and we were up there, and I made a couple jokes about, like, Brendan Ryan or something, and he got up there to sing, and he goes, glad somebody else was ticked off at our lineup this year. So he's definitely a huge sports fan. And he put out his list of his favorite Mizzou athletes. Ooh. Okay? And he put Lamont Frazier, number one, Jeremy Macklin, number two, and then Macklin retweeted, said, hey, thanks for the love, or whatever. So he has his top ten. He's got Ricky Paulding on there. And people start chiming in. You forgot Jaden Cox. You forgot so-and-so. Chase Daniel needs to be higher. And I'm like, you can't correct his list. He, he didn't say greatest athletes of all time. That's a Frank list. He said my favorite. He could pick the backup punter as his number one choice because it's his effing list. And every comment was, wait a minute, you don't have so-and-so. How did you leave out Norm Stewart? Probably because he's younger and it didn't have the impact that it did for other people. But everyone's correcting his list, which is stupid. Sorry, rant over. Very stupid, but it makes me think because, so I got here in 2008. If I just said my top three Mizzou favorite athletes, this is Charlie, Charlie's list, I would probably have to go Macklin 1 for everything that he does on the field, off the field. I was a big Kim English fan. He was great with the media. So I have two there. Who would be the third? And then the funny thing is, Kim English responded, because I think he was like 10th or 9th or 10th yeah. on the list, and he put my favorite country artist list with Mizzou Connections or something. He put David Nail first. So it's all, it's your own list. Who cares? I mean, just over the years, I love Steeple and Sunville, but I grew up here, and I was a kid watching those games on Saturdays. I love Norm. You know, picking a one or a two would be hard. Macklin, just for, because we've gotten to know him a little bit, but also the the star power he brought to that team would probably be near the top of my list. I thought of my third, and it's actually another Kim. Nobody will agree with me, but it's Kim Anderson because I feel so bad for how that ended for him 
He gets his dream job. He just wins the national championship, what, D2. Gets his dream job, and it's just on, <laughs> on the court. It's a nightmare. We always joked, you can never criticize Kim Anderson without first saying, just the nicest guy in the world. Because he truly is the nicest guy in the world. And I'll never forget, we don't go to Mizzou a ton. For basketball and football, maybe I get to go once or twice a year. But I went for one of those weekly availabilities. And Kim Anderson was sitting there with the media, eating lunch with the media. And I never saw another coach or manager do that. And I always thought that was very cool. So, Kim, even though it didn't work out on the court, you're my number three because you're a great guy. And remember when there was some academic probes and all, like the basketball team during that era wasn't nicked because I think they said the guy didn't cheat. And we knew that. Can you just cheat, please, so we can win some games? Just cheat. No, remember the opening press conference? He went up there and he said, I was listening to the radio on the way in, and apparently I'm old. Apparently I'm old. I was there for that. And that is the prototypical he won the press conference. Because going in, we all know he probably wasn't the first choice, but he was the Mizzou guy. Alden on the way out, gives Kim his shot. Everybody's wondering, okay, what's he going to do? It clearly didn't work out. But I remember going to that press conference. He had the great line, apparently I'm old. I'm like, we got a chance here. He, he won the press conference and then basically lost every game after that. I love you, Kim. On, on my random list, too, Denario Alexander, just an absolute stud, yeah. and then plays for the Rams for a little bit. Uh, okay, so top five. Where were we? Top five Tom Petty, not in any particular order. I think, Charlie, the last episode, which is a bootleg edition, Googled it. But for me, it's just five songs. If I could only play Tom, five Tom Petty songs, I'm going to go with Change of Heart, Walls, which is confusing because on that She's the One album, there's two versions. I like the main one. Okay. Tom Petty even said if we wouldn't have mucked it up and had two, it probably could have been a hit. And the line in there, Some Days Are Diamonds, Some Days Are Rocks. Tom Petty said Johnny Cash told him that once. So he took that line and turned it into a song, which I love the backstory. She's a Woman in Love, Runaway Trains, and Rebels. Now, most lists, including the one on series, ends with American Girl Number 1, which is a great song. I just think I've heard it too much. It's like a stairway to heaven. But it's hard to go wrong with any Tom Petty top five. How about you? You're a little younger, so yours might tend to be younger. I think, and again, I have to look at these lists. I did it last time. Nobody will ever remember what I said. I think, wasn't Refugee 2 on the all-time list, Rolling Stone? I love Refugee. We, we, we talked about if you can include Traveling Wilburys in terms of uh, last night, Handle with Care. And then Tom Petty was so good. And I remember reading somebody say something about Tom Petty, which I agreed with, was Tom Petty, if he made a song, whether it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it all felt the same, which I think is a great compliment because it just it transcended the decade and the era and all that. And I remember growing up when, was it, Wildflowers came out? So that was kind of, for people my age, that had heard of Tom Petty and listened to your dad listening to Tom Petty, and then he came out again with an awesome album, I think that was in the early to mid-90s, that had a bunch of hits on it as well. Yeah, Wildflowers, the song itself is one of the top, 10 songs probably and then you wrecked me great album how about a solo i always got confused whether it was with the heartbreakers or not the heartbreakers but one album that has running down a dream won't back down and free fallen on one freaking album there you go chuck that's how you bring this whole episode we made fun of iggy we talked michigan talked parking boats we gave our picks to click we're ready for baseball um we're live to tape from the pickleball courts and it was raining, and now it's hot. It's a St. Louis summer. This was fun, and this one I think actually is going to turn out. 
Did you press record? I'm looking right now. Yes. And Look at the timing. 27 minutes. See? A little as too long. long. As it's under 30 minutes, I'm good. Fair enough. All right. Martin Marlowe, episode eight in the books.